hello and welcome. My name is Tim. I'm Axio. And I'm Herfinderfin. And this is uh, uh, Go Mode. Link to the past randomizer podcast. Max, did you did you hear that? Yeah, it, it, it kind of sounded like it came through the wall or like another room. Did is that what you heard too? Uh, it, well, it definitely didn't sound like it was this dimension. Um, so so to, to explain to our listeners, uh, we are without Herfy Durfy this time. We weren't able to line up a recording with with all three of us. So um, it's just Axe and I. But that was the strangest thing. I could have could have swore that I I heard him. Wait, can you just just listen? I, I thought I heard something. Okay, okay, all right, yeah, I'm coming over. Guys, it's me. I'm talking to you through these hint tiles here. Uh, I'm not sure how I'm doing it, but it's working out pretty well. Wow, there he is. Yeah, well, I, well okay. hey, Herb, thank you. It's, I guess this is going to work all out right, after all. Hey, it's, I've never seen anything like this, but uh, yeah, it's, it's like it's uh, right in my head. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I, I think this can actually work then. So you and I, let's just go ahead and do the show as normal. And yeah. uh, if we ever need, um, you know, a hint or some extra info or anything like that, we can just uh, touch this tile right here and uh, get a little bit of extra insight. Yeah, let's let's try another one. Man who farts in church sits in own pew. Okay. Oh well, 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 that one wasn't very helpful, Herf. That, no. Yeah. Do- um. Yeah. So, it, all right. But anyway, let's let's talk a little bit about some news. Um, it, it's kind of funny the way that things sort of ebb and flow. We had so much news last time that we had to dedicate an entire episode just to talking, just just to you know talking about what was going on. And this time, like, I mean, I really there not a lot happened in the last two weeks. <laughs> it's it's, it's been funny. a quiet time in Rando. I mean, to be fair, uh, for those who are not in the know, Summer Games done quick. Um, broke the record for GDQ, not just for Summer Games Done Quick or Awesome Games Done Quick, but they broke the 3 million barrier. It was awesome. Uh, We saw a great uh, SM uh, slash ALTTPR randomizer race uh, with Ivan and Andy, um, Bathroom Percent. Yeah. Um, It's it's really good. You should check it out. Um, And, uh, you know, you can giggle along as you figure out what the Bathroom Percent joke means when you get there. Uh, yeah, so, and, and actually, this is the first time that Axial's getting a chance to comment on that. We did get to cover a little bit of what happened at SGDQ oh, that's right. 2019. Yeah, on the, uh, on the show last uh, week, we had Synac on to talk a little bit about that. So uh, if you did not get to check out last week's episode and that's something you want to hear about, definitely go listen to that. I highly recommend that. But, um, yeah, it, it was incredible. And now I've actually had a chance to, you know, catch up and watch all of these things. So yeah, I can, I'm, I can actually I'm still going along. through a bunch of other ones. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was a great SGDQ. But uh, I'm guessing that maybe is why things are a little quiet is, you know, people get back home. They get back into the swing of life. And, uh, you know, not, no, uh, no major things going on because uh, people probably are heading to the, the beach or the pool or, or – uh, you know, maybe they're going to go up to Zoro's domain and hang out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it's everyone's uh, vacationing up in the uh, the icy Zoro's domain to get away from the heat of the summer. Because <laughs> um, we have we have to grow up another seven years in order to uh, experience the other kind. So that's true. Yeah. yeah, let's just hope he's not blocking the way to Jabu Jabu. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a pain. 
Um, so, but we do have a few things to talk about. Uh, of course, the Go Mode Podcast Mentor Tournament is chugging right along. Uh, we have finally made it out of the group rounds. And so, of course, a huge, heartfelt, hearty congratulations to the 16 racers who managed to make it through to the brackets. Um, as always, we will include a link to the challenge so you can check out exactly who that is and what sort of matchups are going on. I would assume probably uh, by the time you're listening to this episode, we're probably about halfway through the matches. Uh, yeah, so, we, we're recording yeah. this on uh, Friday, July 12th, Yep. and we've had one match so far, which um, I did not get a chance to watch live, but I'm watching the VOD of it, and it, it apparently is very, very exciting, and I have no idea who won, so I'm... Uh, Excited to see that. We have another two matches tonight. So, yeah, probably about halfway, maybe a little more. Yeah, and I will make a note to uh, move that one over to our YouTube so that everyone can go check that out on our YouTube channel. I haven't exported every single race. And, and actually, weirdly enough, one of the ones that we restreamed, uh, even though we had the settings set up correctly and all that, uh, did not transfer to a VOD after it was over. So that one, unfortunately, seems to just be lost to time, which is, uh, you know, very unfortunate. But, uh, you know, some of them I will, I will move out to YouTube, and uh, that's one that we definitely will move because yeah. I, I also heard that it was uh, a pretty close one and, and a great way to kick off the brackets. Yeah, it, and it, for those, it's the Senin versus Zylo Price race. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm uh, trying to – we also had some people jump in and do commentary for it that were not us, and I think uh, they did a fantastic job, and I want to give them a major – uh, you know, shout out right here, and that was uh, let me. Uh, that was Black Wax and Verts five hundred five. Yep, believe. and then who was running the stream and uh, doing the research reports? Nineteen seventy eight. Yep. So thank you to the three of you. You all were fantastic, as were our runners and mentors. So really big, big thanks for stepping up there. Yeah, mentors were uh, ZZZ Cube. And some guy named Vtorp. Oh, that, yeah, uh, I don't know yeah. about him. He's uh... this. I think this is like his second or third time mentoring actually in this tournament. He's been yep. very, yeah, very he's, helpful. He's been, yeah, yeah. I, yeah all our mentors have been fantastic yeah. and great, and you are just all really great people. So give yourselves a round of applause. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that we did say we were going to do was sort of uh, rank everybody into. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to essentially seed them, which it's, it gets confusing using the word seed so many times when you're talking about randomizer because it could mean so many different things. But, you know, d- deciding who, okay, who overall was the number one person to come out, you know, who's going to be the hardest one to beat, second hardest, third hardest, et cetera, going down through 16. Uh, we had to kind of rank everybody. And we floated a few different ways. We had some suggestions uh, that people messaged to us and we're talking about in the, dis- the Discord, you know, different ways to do it. Uh, what a, what we actually ended up doing was pretty close to you know what a lot of people suggested and actually what challenge suggested um, we, we didn't really make a whole lot of changes to the way that it set everybody up which was basically just um, you know the one who won two races in group a was number one the one who went one and one in group a was number two uh, group B the two and O was three and et cetera et cetera kind of uh, so on and so forth like that now, the only th- thing that we did a little different is we kind of flip-flopped every two. So instead, we did uh, the person in group A that won two, obviously was still number one, but then the person in group B who won two was number two. Then we went back to group A, and the person who went one and one there was three, et cetera, so on and so forth. So we, we kind of ranked them that way, um, just to kind of mix it up a little bit and you know have people seeing uh, a little bit more variety from the people that they raced in their original groups. Um, 
the one thing that we did have to change quite a bit, though, was the way that the games are set up within a bracket, which is actually something I had never really thought about before until we had to do this. But, um, you know, if we would have done it essentially the way that Challenge had, had suggested that we do it, uh, our top two players would have uh, faced each other essentially like in the quarterfinals. And, and this is supposed to be four rounds until our finals. So we had to change the way that the groups were uh, playing one another so that essentially our top four players, um, you know, if if they can make it there, if they don't get eliminated first in an upset, end up being in the quarterfinals. So um, that, that was sort of an interesting kind of process getting all of that set up. But I, I think, you know, all of the matchups seem like they make sense. Um, you know, even the one race we've had so far has been great. And I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how this thing finally ends and yeah, who's me, going to win the prize. Yeah, I, I think now, if, you know, pretty much, you know, we're going to have eight races, then four, then two, um, and then one, although I, I think there's... We're doing a be best of three best for of that three one. for that one, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, so there'll be a few more races. But, um, you know, as the races become more and more scarce, I think we're going to see better and better um, competition and more fun for everybody so definitely check those out. In regards to the uh, seeding, though, you know, I think uh, one of the reasons when we were talking how to seed this up is, you know, our, our initial rankings have played a pretty big role. And we felt it was a little unfair to say, well, if you were in Group A, then as long as you got out of Group A, then you were the one or two seed no matter what. Mm-hmm. We just didn't feel that was really fair to the people because the difference between you know, one group and another group that are next to each other, effectively there really wasn't much of a difference. Now between A and, you know, the bottom and H, there's a big gap there. But um, between A and B and B and C and so on, there's not much of a difference in terms of the pre-assessed skill. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about this before, but I feel it it bears repeating. Uh, The way that our groups were set up didn't necessarily produce the 16 best and then eliminate the 16 worst. We kind of cheese graded the whole group and and kind of like, you know, we have a a pretty fair mix of the better halves of all of these, uh, you know, tiered kind of, I don't even know how to... I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. But uh, what I'm trying to say is that, like, there's still kind of a lot of variety in terms of skill level uh, of all of these players. So um, all that to say, you know, we we had two players from Group A that were, you know, from their self-assessment, very, very good and competed very, very well that don't get to move on. So, you know, this could have gone a lot of different ways, and and I don't want anyone to beat themselves up about that. Yeah, I I mean, especially we think that, for the runners in the lower tiered groups, it's really important to give them a chance to try to play in a bracket round and, you know, get some of those nerves out of the system. And even if that means that we've got, you know, not the best 16, that experience, because again, this is a tournament that's focused on teaching people more so than who is the best, uh, that experience is invaluable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyways, that's still going on. Uh, As always, please check the description of this episode. We'll have a link to the Discord where you can chat along and watch. Uh, We are restreaming a little bit more frequently than we were since, you know, there's less matches and more availability. So check out our Twitch, twitch.tv slash podcast. A lot of times we'll be restreaming there. And thanks to our restreaming comms teams, by the way, for helping us to do that. Um, and the YouTube, like I said, just check the description. You'll find everything you need there, including the schedule, which is probably the most important thing and probably what I should have led with. But <laughs> anyway, 
Um, cool. Okay, so that's out of the way. Um, I did want to touch again on uh, oh, wait, Speed wait, Game. Oh, wait, hold on. I, I think oh, yeah, I, might, yeah. I, I hear something in the wall about the about the tournament. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's let's see. You better watch the rest of the tournament or I'll telepathically sing the Justin Bieber songs to you every night for the rest of time. Oh, Herf, that's really interesting. That actually makes a lot. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm glad we didn't move on before yeah, we were. Before we well, hey, that. you know, sometimes you're walking through pod and you just forget to hit that, that hint tile. I, I did. You, you got me. I, I really almost missed it. Yeah, so. All right, cool. So let's let's move <laughs> along. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about Speed Gaming Live 2019. Uh, tickets officially went on sale for that. Uh, that is, as a reminder, happening in October 20. Uh, it's it's October 23rd through the 27th in Herndon, uh, Virginia. This is an event where uh, we're getting a lot of classic speed gaming and racing together. There's going to be a huge link to the past randomizer influence and a lot of people from that community attending. Um, that was sort of what we thought was going to happen. Now that has been confirmed by all of the orders for tickets and hotel rooms being booked coming in, um, and chatter in that discord. It seems like quite a, quite a few rando folks definitely planning on attending, um, you know, figuring out their roommates and, and stuff like that. So, um, I guess not really too much to announce other than that tickets are now officially on sale and available. So I'd encourage people to go take a look at those if that seems like something you might want to uh, spectate in person because I do believe they have some tickets left and even some hotel rooms. I can't guarantee that by the time this episode releases, of course, but I would encourage everyone to go look into that. And also, uh, more broadly, um, of course, you know, when we're at this event, we're going to be streaming you know, these tournaments and qualifiers and and you know there's going to be a side stream i believe and, and a lot of things like that so uh even if you're not able to attend be sure to at least mark your calendar for those four or five days and be sure to tune in and watch because i think there's going to be some really entertaining really fun events um and you know as i said before uh your boy's going to be there so uh, <laughs> as well as herf and and axel Ghost maybe axel. for for part for tiny little parts of it yeah, I, don't my, know. We'll, we'll, I, yeah. I have uh as again as i think i've said i'm, I'm gonna be at my uh, another obligation but i finally mm-hmm. gotten the details on that and i think i will be there and through thursday afternoon like okay. here in dc so um i'm probably gonna catch anything that happens before say like three o'clock on thursday awesome okay and that's plenty of time for us to get together in a in a hotel room and, and record an episode so yep. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that that's gonna be awesome it'll be a fun um, time yeah now you know who definitely has some things to say about this yeah so as uh, tim already alluded to i will also be there adminning the uh, alttpr money tournament that's going to be going on there live and um you know, I was thinking about this for a while, and I think I can confidently say that if you're lucky and if you want to be, there's a chance to be my roommate for two nights out of the, like, five or six that I'll be there. So, uh, the timing is a little bit off, but we'll we'll see if we can make it work. If you have any interest in that, you are free to DM me, and I might turn you down unless you're a very attractive woman, but we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that's cool. That that makes sense. Cool. Yeah. All right. Um, and let's see. Uh, the only other thing I could really think to even sort of talk about here is we do have the Cross Keys tournament, um, which is in full swing. 
that I believe is still sort of in its group rounds. Um, I just sort of briefly polled kind of our listenership um, to see if anyone who was involved in it you know, knew anything, had any announcements, anything you know, anything like that. And Fabrice Ninja was nice enough to chime in um, and pretty much just said, you know, it's been going kind of how you would expect. It's it's been uh, restreamed pretty heavily on the three Zelda speedrunning randomizer channels, ZSR channels, is what he said. Mm-hmm. Um, been some cool seeds, some troll seeds, uh, you know, some of the races have been really tight. Some have been forfeits that are, you know, over 20 minute differences. So going along about how you would expect, but I did want to also mention it cause I actually took a look at the challenge for it today, um, admittedly for the first time. And I, I had no idea how many people were competing in this tournament. It's, 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 it's pretty big. huge. Yeah. Which I did not realize, although after a while I started to hear a lot of people talking about it. And I started to realize, you know, a lot of our mentors, for instance, were like, oh, I, I can't mentor at that time because I have a match. And it's like, what what match? They? Oh, yeah, the, the cross keys. Um, and, yeah, there are a lot of familiar names in this tournament. And um, it's pretty massive. So that is moving right along. We'll, we'll provide a link to the challenge. Um, I have to admit cross keys not necessarily my cup of tea i find it interesting but as i've said before i'm sort of a uh you know kind of straight up and down open standard i don't like to get too crazy with my rando there's there's too much to think about in just normal rando without having to consider all these crazy rules in my humble opinion that's that's just me cross keys for me it's a it's a fun to watch i have played it once and went well that was an experience and i will never do that again (laughs) Yeah, um, but it, it is it's a fun one to watch. Uh, like Tempesting, there's a lot of strong racers out there. Um, you're gonna probably learn stuff you didn't know that uh, you didn't know because you'll suddenly see people going in places and coming out in other spots, and you'll go, "Where on the map is that?" Yeah, yeah. So that is happening uh, again. You know, we'll we'll put some links in the, in the description. Be sure to check that out if that sounds like something that you're into. Uh, Herf, any thoughts on that one? Huh. Okay. I don't. I don't. I don't know any more of these gags to do to like pretend to react to what he's saying. I don't know. We'll just. I will acknowledge the fact that he did. What do you mean pretend? I, I'm. I'm hearing him in real time. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Let's go ahead and. <laughs> <laughs> let's go ahead and get our flute out, shall we? Yeah. Okay, so uh, I have to admit, I've been very excited to have an episode about this topic, really, ever since the, uh, ever since V30 came out, which we were all the way back in episode four when that happened, episode five, maybe. Yeah, this um, is almost the, the, like, well, I guess the hints were sort of hinted at right about now last year. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. It's almost kind of the one year anniversary of hints being a thing in Rando. Um, or that's, it's actually, it turns out not, not exactly true, but we'll, we'll get into that, uh, here in a second. So, um, the reason that I wanted to talk about hints is because, uh, it was rolled out and it did change the game quite a bit. And, and if you go back and listen to our early episodes, like three through five, somewhere in there, we, we, we actually interviewed Vtorp and, and Herf especially talks a little bit about how the inclusion of hints into Rando as we know them today um, really kind of changed the way that we play this game pretty significantly. 
And so for that reason, I wanted to make sure that we provide some information to our listeners about, you know, how to effectively use hints, um, you know, and, and have some kind of high-minded, high-level discussions, but also just really break it down because I think a lot of this is really taken for granted in terms of knowing, okay, when you get a hint and it says this, like, what is that really saying? What does that mean? And what do I know for sure I can take away from that? So we thought about doing hints plus, you know, some other topics. After doing some research, and I did quite a bit of research for this episode, kind of decided that we can really just talk about hints and really get into it. Um, So that's exactly what we're going to do today. Talk about hints. I I mean, I would say looking through, you know, to echo kind of what Tip is saying here, in terms of how people think about routing and how to get through and play – I mean, this might be the biggest change since, like, V23 or 22, 23, mm-hmm. where <clears throat> suddenly you can, uh, you know, go in and uh, move around Hyrule Castle a little more effectively. 22, uh, the big one is uh, a lot of bug fixes around uh, original bugs that uh, give you soft locks, um, getting rid of free lamp cones, and so requiring darkroom knowledge. Um, just a, a lot of changes like that. It's uh, it's big. Yeah. Um, but as I alluded to earlier, hints in some form or another have have existed in Randomizer actually since version eight. So um, I'm gonna definitely throw this link in the description of a it, it's and it's on the altpr.com website. But it's just a running history of all of the uh, changes worth mentioning from each version. Uh, you know, what was changed in each of them. And by going through that document, kind of doing a little research, uh, found that hints uh, in a certain capacity were added in V8. Uh, and that was when you were first able to pull out the Book of Medora and walk up to the pedestal and uh, read a hint about what was on the pedestal. So that, that was the first time that you could get a little bit of info about a randomized seed, you know, and, and something specific to the way it was randomized. Um, so uh, that, that's been around for a while. Uh, in V25, tablets were added to that so that you could use the book to read the tablets. Um, so, you know, that was introduced. Uh, and, and even back then when it, when it was just about these single item checks that you could look at, you know, with the book, there were distinct uh text descriptions for each of these items that were used instead of just saying the item um ax give me give me an example of like one of these off i i can't think of one like off the top of my head but um so like maybe one the one for for pet is usually uh you know the one people think of the most so you'll you'll go up to pet and you'll be all you know is it a pet seat or not you open up the book and you see uh you know the hit come up nothing but couch cash move on Right. That's a, that's a great example. So couch cash is just uh, a, a, like a green rupee or a big 20. Um, it, it can describe a, a few different items, but it, it tells you, you know, what is there without saying the word rupee. So most of them were pretty obvious, but there are some like uh, the hookshot, I think, is just boing. It just says boing. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. The, um, I think the one for silver arrows is a little vague as well. Yeah, yeah, and I can't remember exactly what that one is off the top it's of my head. It's something about, like, like adding a tip to a, a point, or, or it's something like that. Okay, yeah, so so there are some sort of, you know, weird ways that they describe these. Um, I, we'll, we'll try to find a list of kind of how all of those items are described on PED and tablet. 
um, because it's actually even different than the hints that we're really going to dive into um, which uh, we're almost ready to talk about. So, so we've got these three locations, right, where we can find hints. There's actually a few others. Um, the, another example of a hint that you can get in game and have been able to since prior to V30 is talking to Sahasrila, uh, who will tell you the location of the green pendant. Um, if it's not in the light world, you know that can be useful for you to know where it is in the dark world, so you can kind of start to plan out what items are go mode and what aren't you know for instance if you find out you've got a green pendant on misery mire you now know that the flute is not necessarily going to be a progression item um you know conditionally but we've, we've yeah. talked about stuff like that before. well especially in key sandy modes too because you might not be able to know just by looking at the map what everything is right there are some modes where the location of the crystal versus pendant is not obvious and if you go talk to um, if you go talk to Sahasrila and get that information, you now will know, and, and you might have a leg up against an opponent if you're racing, for instance. So that is one. Also, and I didn't realize this, the bomb shop owner in the Dark World uh, apparently tells you the location of the two red crystals as well. Oh. Yeah, now I guess that probably would be useful if you played Inverted, uh, or certainly, you know, Entrance Randomizer under certain you know circumstances. Like I said, I, I don't really play a lot of those, to be fair. Um, so I, I wouldn't know as much about that, but, uh, yeah, and it does make sense too, that, you know, there's one person that tells you where the green pendant is and there's one person that tells you where the two red crystals are. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and apparently, and, and uh, I've heard kind of conflicting information on this, that, uh, there was an, uh, uncle boots hint where, uh, the uncle could tell you as he walks out the door in standard mode, the location of the boots, um, apparently it's a very low percentage chance. I personally have never seen it. In fact, I've never even seen anyone who's seen it. Like I've never seen video of it. So I can't say for certain that that is actually a thing, but you know, it does sound, it sounds like something that could, that yeah, could be I, a thing. I thought it was like a guaranteed thing back before what, like V25 or, or V26. Uh-huh. Um, but then they, they said, well, that's, that's really too much information to be giving out right at the start. So you know, we're going to get away with, go away with that. They like made it a really low percentage or maybe even just did away with it completely. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. was, that was before I was sort of following Rando really well. I started kind of watching it about V28 or so and started playing mm -hmm. at V29. So uh, my memory on that's a little fuzzy. Yeah. And, uh, around. right. Same, same, honestly. And, and this is going to kind of become our new like promise about an episode about cheating, but we will eventually do – I'm going to promise a new one that we'll do one day in, in the future, which is a, a, the history of Rando. Um, I promise we will do that episode at some point, but we've got to get, you know, the right people together and the right research and because, yeah, we're, we're relative newcomers to this, and I have a ton of questions about how it got started. Maybe we can so. talk to Summoning Salt and see if we can get in on his uh, next video. <laughs> oh, man, that would be a dream come true. That would be so awesome. Um, but until then, we'll just keep – you know, doing our research yeah. and presenting and for it those to you. not in the know, Summoning Salt is someone in the, the speedrunning community, and he puts out basically documentaries about the history of the, the world record for different games. Uh, there's a lot out there. Uh, just released one focused only on Rainbow Road in uh, Mario Kart, it, but they're all really well done. Yeah, there's a lot of Mario Kart ones and a lot of uh, uh, Mike Tyson punch out ones, but yeah, yeah they're incredible. But anyway, uh, and there, there's one other sort of this is kind of a hint. I just thought it was sort of an interesting fact to include and something I didn't know. Uh, the fortune teller 
if you walk in, uh, they are coded. I, I went through and looked at the text in the GitHub, uh, you know, that's coded in for them. Uh, there's 16 different hints they can give you if you pay them. But these are not hints about where the items are randomized. They're more just kind of like general rando hints, you know, like book is used to open the desert, you know, th like that kind of thing. Like uh, if you were brand new to the game, didn't know a damn thing, this maybe you go in and pay the fortune teller for a hint and they tell you something that, that helps you to like keep moving on. Yeah, like, like um, hook that what like hookshot can get you across um into you know the western dark world yeah stuff like that i don't know for sure if, if something like that is is in there but that sort of thing yeah absolutely so i thought that was sort of interesting i, I mean yeah. that counts as a hint i mean that's a hint. I, yeah. i've never actually gone in the fortune teller's hut even back when i was originally playing this when i was a very tiny axial <laughs> yeah, no, I, I used to go in there. It, it's helpful when you're a dumb kid. It's got good music. Oh, yeah, it's some of the best music in the game. It really is. Um, but, okay, so so now the main attraction. So in V30, actually a little bit prior to V30, it was announced that this new feature was going to be rolled out um, for randomizer. Non-optional. Definitely uh, definitely in there, so so get get ready and get used to it. Um, we might be hearing from Herfs. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. But, but what was that, Herf? Yeah, non-optional, which, you know, I think we all remember that people weren't very happy about that. But uh, I have a few more things to say in a little bit. Uh, yeah, that, no, that's, that's what I, that's what I, I thought. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, that's about what I thought. Um, so, yeah, there it was announced that uh, there were, there were going to be hints in the game. And the idea behind this is there are 15 telepathic tiles that are located throughout both the light and dark world. Um, mostly in dungeons, uh, but there are a few kind of like out in the open in the dark world or in caves and things in the, in the dark world. Um, and these used to be used for uh, story in Vanilla A Link to the Past where, um, you know, Zel Princess Zelda or Sahasrila would communicate with Link. Um, but uh, pretty cleverly, I, I feel like, uh, the developers decided this could be a good opportunity to communicate with the racer. And so uh, instead of giving you just, you know, kind of throwaway text like it used to, it now will tell you a hint that is generated uh, after the seed is randomized. So it will actually tell you in your seed that you downloaded where something is, or it'll give you a location and let you know what's at that location. Or sometimes it will not be helpful at all. <laughs> and that actually ends up being the case um, more often than not, unfortunately. But what this did was... Uh, you know, any of these hint tiles that are anywhere near the normal sort of places that you would go in rando, they now are invaluable to be checked because if you do get a hint that tells you where your next progression item is uh, and your opponent does not check for that hint and you make a beeline for that item and they check around the light and dark world and a pendant dungeon for that item, you just got a huge advantage over your opponent. Right. So it almost kind of became like required to, to check out these hints, you know, yeah. where, wherever you would encounter them. Especially because all, but it, with the exception of the the one that's in, what do they call it, like the Dark World shopping plaza, the one that's basically on the Dark World version of the Ice Rod Cave. By Ice Rod Cave, yeah. yeah. And then maybe the one in Aghanim's Tower. All the other ones are really easy. Like, you're going to walk into them as you're going. You don't have to really specifically route them in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 So 
these hints are introduced, and uh, we learned a lot about them very fast. And, um, you know, uh, eventually kind of looked through the code a lot of people did and put together some resources. So I want to talk a little bit about how the V30 hint system that you were just telling us about, Temp, kind of came to be uh, as we know it now and as we kind of have to deal with it if you like it or not. So um, originally this all kind of came to be or came into existence because people were kind of annoyed with how some of the end game of the seats played out. I'm sure everyone who's played Rando for any amount of time has, uh, if not experienced themselves, heard of the, you know, ice rod meme where you're looking for everything, you finally got your go mode pretty much, but you're still looking for that dreaded ice rod and it's just not appearing and you're searching through your whole seat and it's just not coming. And uh, for especially key sanity, it happened to be the Ganon's Tower Big Key, which is essentially an ice rod, only even worse, if you can't imagine that. Because it can, in Key Sanity, it can literally be anywhere. So, more often than not, the Key Sanity races were very exciting, up until the point where everyone had their go mode and all they were looking for was the Ganon's Tower Big Key. And then it just became a gamble of who, you know, guessed to check the right location that was left over first and found their big key and so they got into GT and finished their seed and now they won even if they were like half an hour behind forehand. That's obviously exaggerated but you know. So uh, that's kind of what the situation was and people who were playing Key Sanity had been complaining about that for a long while. So the solution or kind of the agreed upon compromise that they were thinking of is like hey can we maybe get a GT big key hint in uh, key sanity so we you know we can if you're ahead already because you played better or you routed better you can just go and get your hint from wherever the hint location might be it would have to be like a static position kind of like Sahasrala is and then you talk to them or touch the hint tile or do whatever and then bam you get a hint and it tells you hey listen to Ganon's Harbi key is in this area or in this palace or whatever. They didn't even want a specific hint, they just wanted like kind of like the general hints that we're going to be talking about in a little bit here. So uh, that's what they asked for and at the same time people who were playing more of the standard modes like open and standard and all that stuff they were like well maybe if we do that we can also get an ice rod hint because that's kind of annoying as well. It's not quite as bad as the GTB key and key sanity but the ice rod is also very annoying. And uh, as we all know from the interview we did with uh, VTorp, he said, hey listen, I am gonna code a hint system. It's been planned for a while, even before you guys started complaining about various stuff. But if I'm gonna do it, I'll do it like, I, I'll do a full hint system. It's gonna be a full blown thing. And it's gonna be in there for good. And uh, so he did, and he kind of ended up lining up with the tournament as well. So that's that's how the hint system, as we currently know, it kind of came to be. And that's also why people, at least some people, are kind of against it. Uh, I guess most of the quote-unquote hate that it had has died down now, and people just kind of got used to it. Because, as you said, you kind of have to deal with it now. If, if you ignore hints, you're at a disadvantage more often than not. So, yeah, it is what it is. I'm still not a huge fan, but I also don't really play competitively, so we'll, we'll see.
what happens with hints in the future, I guess. Uh, so I have a lot of those resources compiled, and I'll definitely include those links in the description. If you were to look through these, you know, three or four links or so, and read through everything on them, you would totally, completely, one hundred, one hundred percent understand how hints work in Rando. But you don't want to do that because you're listening to a podcast right now, right? <laughs> like, what? That's the whole reason you click play on this podcast. You want some hints about the hints. Or you just want us to tell you, actually. Not not so much a hint as just, like, we're going to tell you. Um, I know that. I mean, that's that's how I would be thinking, at least if I was listening to this podcast. So we're going to briefly sort of explain uh, and, and kind of outline some of these documents. Um, but I would highly encourage you, if you're, as long as you're not driving or something, to definitely check out the, the links in these descriptions. Because even just reading through these documents, scanning through them even, uh, extremely enlightening. And... I didn't even realize how little I knew about hints until I actually did read some of these. And yeah. we're going to do our best to relay that to you, but um, there is quite a bit to be learned from yeah, these it, documents. I mean, I was reading through it in kind of the prep we do for the episode, and I was like, wait, really? As I saw some of these, I was like, that can't be right. And Tip and I, in our kind of pre-recording session, we're going over some of them, and we're like, are you, are you sure it works like that? Or we checked, and we are yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, so with that, let's, let's dive in. The, the first document that I want to look at um, is something that was released by Christos Owen, one of the lead developers of ALTTPR, um, right around the time that V30 came out. And it's just a very simple uh, two-page Word document. You know, all these Word documents that get passed around for Rando is, is uh, annoying, but uh, it's all <laughs> we have. So here, so here it is. Um, and it describes something that I think is really helpful to know, which is how the hints are determined and put into the game. Because hints, much like the items, you know, I've used this example in the past. If you download a sheet of rando uh, and you start in Link's house and you open it up and it's the ice rod and you delete your save data and close, you know, take the game out or close down your ROM and then open it back up and play it again, the ice rod is still in Link's house. And, and that's how these hints work too. The same hint is in the same hint tile every time. So those have to be generated when the seed is generated. Um, so we're going to kind of outline how they do that. So there's going to be 15 of them because there's 15 hint tiles. So that's, that's the magic number that we're working our way up to. Now, what this system does is it starts by uh, five of them randomly picking five locations from a list of ten uh, item locations that are inconvenient to check. So of those fifteen, five of them will always have a hint about exactly what is contained, or mostly kind of what is contained at a specific location. That's you want five. Me to, to run through what those are, or yeah, go, do we want our yeah, uh, go our ahead. friend in the hint tile the same? <laughs> I'm, I guarantee you, he doesn't want to do that. I do not want to do that. <laughs> yeah. You go ahead. I, I, I oh, he, he, okay, okay, there, Herf. Um, all right, sorry, sorry, man, sorry. All right, um, all right. So, Ashula, Mimic Cave, Catfish, Graveyard Ledge, Purple Chest, Tower of Hera, Big Key Chest, Swamp Palace, Big Chest, Misery Mire, Big Cheek Key Chest, and Compass Chest, aka Left Side. Left or, Side. Sorry, that's uh, next one. Uh, swamp Palace, Big Key Chest, and West Chest. That's yep. Left Side Swamp. Uh, yeah. Mr. Mara, this is after the uh, uh, cutscene. And Pyramid Fairy is the last one. Yep. 
yeah so so those 10 locations and, and as you can tell from those last few the, a couple of them even include two items which is a nice little bonus but um i love finding these when i'm playing because anytime you can uh guarantee that you don't need to do something that is going to take anywhere from 20 seconds to two minutes to go out of your way to go check is I mean, it's time, it's time gained, you know, that that's like really, really good info to have. So anytime you find one of those, uh, five hints, it's, it's, it's nice. It's very yeah. good to I, have. I mean, if you, if you're going into Eastern and you go to the hint and it's the Kakariko village elder is holding some spare change. Well, immediately you can be like, all right, well now I'm very unlikely to go after any pendant dungeons because I know that green pendant is not going to lead anywhere, and I'm really at that point only completing pendant dungeon, a green pendant dungeon, for all three pendants for pedestal. Right. So so that's good, and that and so that accounts for five of the tiles. Um, so next up is step two, and a number is chosen between four and ten. So it could be four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. These are items. So an, an item is chosen at random from the pool of items. And this hint reveals to you the location of that item. Uh, now I have to put a little bit of an asterisk next to that because it's not always going to tell you exactly where the item is. Some of these hints, as we'll get into, um, are a little more general than that and, and maybe not quite as specific as you might want them to be. But the point is the item will be chosen and then the location uh, will be revealed or something about that location will be revealed um, and again this could be super helpful or it could be uh, like a no doy kind of thing or just like a that could be anything sort of hint like it's it's not specific enough to be helpful so um, that is the second step so that means that at this point anywhere between nine to all 15 have been chosen so we have another six to zero to account for um, in this process um, so with this final step, at least half and possibly all of the remaining hint tiles are chosen from a list of all of the game locations and will always reveal the items found there. Does that make sense? So Tim, does that mean if I check one of those, it would say something like, um, you know, Spike Cave has a potion? Uh, yeah, I mean, in, in probably a lot different words than that, but yeah. That's pretty good. It can be good. And, and then, uh, so at least half, so that will be uh, a maximum of, no, it'll, it'll, well, I guess it'll be a maximum of six, a minimum of three. So at, you'll get at least three of those kind of uh, sweetheart hints added in. Uh, and that means that uh, there's going to be at a maximum uh, three and at a minimum zero that are not filled at this point. And those are going to be filled with troll, uh, just like throwaway lines. There's there's a bunch of like kind of meme sort of lines that, that get kind of filtered in. And helpfully, and this was actually added in a V30 update, uh, the text will be green and there's a little like link face. So there's no mistaking it as, okay, this is just like, this is a whammy. I'm going to move on. This doesn't have anything useful. So that's that's what we're dealing with with the hints. In terms of where those are, uh, I also have, as we move on to uh, document B here, 
a list, uh, a, a visualization of all of the locations um, of these hint tiles. There's 15 of them. Um, as Axe mentioned, there's one that you really never see. There's quite a few that are sort of out of the way, but they're close enough to potential item locations that you might be willing to check them. Uh, one, for example, is in Misery Mire, uh, just before you fall down after you activate the cutscene. You actually can get to this hint tile before that cutscene is activated, but there's literally no reason for you to be down there unless you are doing the cutscene. So it's kind of like catch twenty two like that. But yeah. yeah. Um, so Tim, would you like me to list all of the hit locations, just like I listed all of the uh, uh, out of the way places it could reveal? Um. Yeah. Sure. Go ahead. All right. So you've got two in the overworld. One is in Spectacle Rock, and it's right next to the item. And the other one, like I was alluding to earlier, is in basically the Dark World's version of where the Ice Rod Cave is. I think sometimes people call that like the Dark World Shopping Plaza. Um, it's, I don't know, that, that's, that's just a name I've heard for it. Actually, my good friend Axe, the name is Dark World Shopping Mall, and without trying to toot my own horn, uh, I kind of coined that term when uh, I got my first commentary gig in the entrance randomizer tournament way back, like, two years ago now, maybe? I don't remember. It's probably wrong, but something like that. And the reason that's called that is whenever people went there when I was commentating a game at the Stark World area where in the Light World there's the Ice Rock Cave, it always had a ton of shops. Sometimes every entrance there was a shop. So eventually I just started calling the Dark World Shopping Mall and apparently it caught on somehow and people are still using it to this day. Uh, mm -hmm. Those are the only ones on the Overworld. <clears throat> in terms of the Light World, uh, we have a good chunk. Uh, Eastern Palace has one. It's in that uh, T-intersection on the way to the big chest. Desert has one in the room where you need boots to get the item off the torch. Tower of Hera has two. One on the, basically right when you walk in the front door. And the second one is near the big chest. Uh, and then Agus Tower, you have one that uh, you'll just run into as you climb up the tower. Uh, you've also got uh, a bunch in the Dark World more than in any other area. Uh, one in Pod, which is in the basement where you fall down and there's the anti-fairies before you go on to fight the mimics. Uh, Swamp Palace has one that's right in the entrance, and notably for this one, you don't actually need to have the water flooded to get, so you can access that at any time that you have access to South Dark World. Uh, Thieves Town has one upstairs before you walk across the hallway to blow up the uh, skylight to give uh, the light to blind but you do need to hit a switch to put down some blocks. And then uh, Ice Palace has three. Uh, one right in the front door, one when you fall down to fight the Staphlos uh, before you move on to the conveyor belt room, and then the bomb jump room. And then the last one in kind of like the uh, the grand icy hallway with the pen gators and the fire bars and the spikes and, and all that. And then there's two more left. Uh, the one that was Tim was just talking about in Misery Mire, uh, after you see the cutscene for the uh, the wall kind of exploding, and then Turtle Rock right on the inside. And again, uh, this one you don't need the cane to get to. You can, if you can open up Turtle Rock, you can get this hint. Yep. 
Cool. Okay, so that's all 15 of them. You have you have been told them. Again, uh, check out this map if you're if you're uh, able to do so in the description. Um, but you 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 start to like you know after you're aware of them and even if you watch people play you know two or three times with you know V30, you you get an idea of where they are and which ones are going to be useful and and whether or not to go out of your way to get them. Uh, most of them you you will. Um, there's really only one I can think of that's sort of a toss-up, and that's the one in Spectacle Rock Cave. Um, you know, since hints were introduced uh, for a while, the meta was kind of to, when you go up to Spectacle Rock Cave, fall down without even looking to see what's in there so you can go over there. And there's one item, and it used to be we would just go in and check it from, from you know, the top level to see if it was worth dro- dropping down for then you started to see people more just drop down, even if they didn't know what it was, because they would go ahead and get that item regardless of what it was and get that hint tile right there. And then there's a bomb jump you can do to get across. Um, we've talked about it a little bit before. Yeah. That that bomb jump after V30 came out became a lot more seen because yeah. a lot of times you'd see people just walk in and then walk out and not need to do that bomb jump. But now... I, I think it's moving up in the list of, uh, you know, we talked a couple episodes back about tricks to do, mm-hmm. and that, that bomb jump is becoming uh, seen a lot more because of that. It is. It's, it's actually, uh, I admit, it's, it's one of my random resolutions to learn it, and I'm sorry to say we're about halfway, a little over halfway through the year, and I still haven't mastered it. So <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's a tricky one. Yeah, but uh, very useful because then you don't have to fall down and go all the way back around. It, that's a real pain to have to do that. Yeah, um, it's like yeah. a what half minute to a minute time loss. Yeah, um, and but that's the only one that's it's sort of controversial whether or not to take the time for that hint or not. All the other ones are so quick if you're already there to check that pretty much everyone's going to check them. Um, also, as we talked about in the Tower of Hera episode, which we recorded right after hints became a thing, uh, the value of Tower of Hera increased quite a bit with hints because there are two very easy to read hints pretty quickly there and it's pretty early on in the seed so some good knowledge that you yeah, can get and, there and of course ice palace has the most out of any single location mm-hmm. which makes it so that even though ice palace doesn't have a lot of items you're getting three hints in addition to the three items so yeah. now it suddenly is like oh man i, I kind of feel like i have to go to ice totally because i still i'm not in go mode i'm not in one before go mode I kind of need those hints to know where to go. Yeah. And this is sort of relevant to the setup that we already did. Um, I was thinking about maybe mentioning it later, but uh, one of the hints, uh, I have to admit, I can't 100% confirm this, but I feel pretty confident saying it here. Someone please let me know if it's not true. Uh, one of the hints will always tell you the location of the boots. Now, it's it what from what I've heard, it's not necessarily one of the items that is chosen, but it is always one of the item locations that is chosen so you might get a one of those uh very generic hints that says something like a unique item is in blank but that unique item could be referring to the boots so um that's another reason i think hints are really valuable especially if you are boots locked in desert or you know god forbid gans tower uh looking for hints becomes a little bit more important because uh the boots will be revealed in one of those hints and again, someone please correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I, I'm pretty sure that that is the case. Yeah, I mean, it makes the prospect of like, okay, let's say you you pull out on the unlucky card and you walk into Ganon's Tower and it is boots locked. And let's say for Pendants you've got Swamp, which you've not gone into at all, Ice Palace, 
and maybe something like Misery Mire, suddenly Ice Palace, even though it only has three items, might be more attractive just because if you don't pull the item in Ice Palace, you've got three chances to say, okay, well, maybe I go in there and it tells me, hey, Left Side Swamp has nothing. Oh, and by the way, Misery Mire, two annoying chests, don't have anything either. Well, yeah. okay, now maybe that really changes up where I'm going next. Because if I know, hey, I don't need to go Left Side Swamp, I'm going there before I go to Misery Mire. Mm-hmm. So now I want to pivot over to uh, a really super helpful document that's kind of been circulating around the community. And this was written by a community member, Arborelia. So shout outs to Arborelia. Um, they have compiled sort of a, a briefer, like a, a you know quick kind of, I don't want to say one sheet because it's a little more than that, but very accessible, very easy to digest um, sort of summary of hints. Um, and so I'm going to shamelessly sort of just like grab some of these uh, points that are made at the beginning of it, this because I, I do believe that they're worth sharing. And, and now we're going to start to get a little bit more into the language that's used in the hints and clearing some of that up a little bit and make, you know, helping to interpret that. So, so this is the, the first bullet point that Arborelia lays out for us. When an item is said to require another item, it's in a location that always requires that item to access in every mode. It doesn't depend on the seed you're playing. So to talk about that a little bit, when they're making these hints, in order to not have to write a bunch of different rules for how hints are generated and work, all of the hints work for every single mode. And when you think about that, I'm going to use one of these as an example that's coming up here. Uh, one of the hints you can get says that something is bowlocked, and that's the sort of general item hint for that so when you first hear that you think like okay what's bow locked um eastern palace boss is is bow locked um you know the end of pod is is bow locked um you, you know you start thinking of these places where, where you need the bow but when you think about entrance randomizer and the fact that you might not have to encounter some of these bow locked checked areas um you know in situations like that as it turns out, the only truly bow-locked thing in the game is Helmosaur King. So what that means is when you get a hint that says such-and-such uh, such is bow-locked, there's only one place it can be, and that's Helmosaur King. And that is something I did not know or realize until we started researching this episode. Yeah, I mean, and it's interesting. It, it's entirely because the hints are for every mode. So that's why you right. think about that. Another one that you can think about is, okay, if I get an item requires the gloves okay well what requires the gloves a lot right but a lot what if you're playing inverted well all of a sudden a lot of the stuff that requires the gloves doesn't and in fact the only thing in the game across all modes that always requires the gloves is spike cave and that's because you have to lift up the boulders to get to the end of spike cave otherwise if you're playing inverted mode or you know entrance randomizer you can get around stuff that's otherwise uh locked by gloves yeah it, I think entrance randomizer really messes up all of this stuff because you, you, you're absolutely right. Uh, Titan's mitts are required for so much, and especially the power gloves, but they're required to get you into dungeons. And then when you think about the dungeons, there's no, there's never any time that you have to use a glove uh, that I that I can think of. Can you? Like inside an actual dungeon? Like once you're actually in there? Yeah. 
Like, I don't think there's anything. So, I mean, it, it kind no, of makes sense when you think, think about so. it that way. Yeah. So, um, so, so that, and that's all to say, um, if you consider that we have a lot of different modes at play, that makes a lot of these general checks a lot more specific. And two very important examples. If it says requires the bow, it's only talking about Helmosaur King. If it says requires the gloves, it's only talking about Spike Cave. Yeah. And just to be a little more specific, because maybe they're playing Enemizer, it's not Helmosaur King specifically, it's whatever is placed in the Palace oh. of Darkness boss room. Very true. Yeah, that, that's that's a good point. Um, it could be that maybe the you know you get in there and you got Trinex or yeah whatever. No, that's that's a good clarification because you use the bow to open up the basement into Pod to get down there and get whatever is down there. Yeah. So it could um, be that yeah. it requires the bow and something else like my example of Trinex, but you know you can't get there without the bow. Right. Yeah. All right, continuing on with uh, Arborelia's document. If an item is described as in Misery Mire or in Swamp Palace, it is not in one of the two leftmost chests that are a pain to check. Uh, and we know exactly why already. Um, it's because we already have specific hint, uh, you know, designations for left side of Swamp and Fire Locked in Misery Mire. Um, those are two dungeons that just have happen to both have two left sides that are very time consuming to check those two chests. They are included in their own categorization of their own hint. So for that reason, um, they are not part of, uh, you know, when something says it's in Misery Mire, you can actually rule out it's not in one of those two left fire locked chests. Uh, if it says it's in Swamp Palace, it's not in uh, the left side of of uh you know of that dungeon so and, and that's yeah. really good to note because i have seen some people and you know this is across all skill levels get a hit like that and then they still go check left side because they haven't gotten that item yet and i'm thinking to myself now like oh no mm -hmm. you just need to go a little deeper in yeah yeah you, you'll see you know again you know when someone doesn't check a, a hint or maybe one player has and the other racer hasn't it's like uh, it's 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 like a tragedy, you know. It's like it's very oh, yeah. dramatic. It, it's, it hurts you know, to see. You that. know, but they don't. Yeah, especially but when they could have known for a really inconvenient area. Totally. Like yeah. if you get oh, you know, the Kakariko Village Elder has the bow. Well, mm -hmm. you. I really hope both runners get that, or it's going to be a painful time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, now, uh, sort of in the same vein, uh, and this is going al also along in Arborelia's document, uh, if something says it's in Tower of Hera, you can safely assume it's not in the basement, the, the fire lock chest in the basement of Tower of Hera, for the same reason. That one has its own hint as well. So if it says Tower of Hera, that's first floor or up only. Um, definitely useful to keep in mind. Uh, another thing, and this is the last kind of like main bullet point that they include, uh, gloves are listed as unique items. Swords, shields, and armor are not considered unique items, which is not maybe what you would expect. Let's talk about unique items for a second because this one, you know, two-word phrase really kind of messes up hints a lot of the time. Uh, so unique item, that sounds good at first because, you know, you know that's going to rule out something like Big 20, which there's tons of in the pool. So you're like, oh, okay, it's not a Big 20. It's We're already doing good. It's not going to be arrows because there's tons of those. Like, oh, okay, it's not arrows. It starts to whittle down. You know, only really important things are unique items for the most part <laughs> because it turns out there actually are some unique items that sort of suck. Um, the single wooden arrow, 
is a unique item. There's only one of them. So when you get a hint saying that there's a unique item somewhere, there are pretty good chances. And I wish I could throw you a percentage, especially since Herf isn't here to get mad at us. <laughs> Stop with the percentages. How often do I have to tell you guys? Gosh. But it's probably like an 80% chance that if it says something unique, it's good. Yeah. But the, just the know that it, ones, it might not be. The only ones that you can get that are ones that you probably won't be happy about are the single arrow, um, possibly the bug net, depending on what your thought is on catching fairies. <laughs> yeah. Um, the shovel, uh, which at least opens up another check, and the mushroom, which again opens up another check. Everything else is at least somewhat useful in some context. Right. And, you know, that axe is also including, like, the cane of Berna. You know, which we definitely would consider useful, and it could save your life, but it's not progression. You know, so if you're trying not to last location an item and you get a hint saying that there's a unique item somewhere, you don't want to see the blue cane, but it, uh, guess what? It's a unique item, so that, that might be exactly right. what you get. And so. if you get that early, you know, you see, okay... You know the, uh, I don't know some some location has a unique item, and you're ten minutes in, and it's the can of burner. You're like, all right, well, like, you know, I could use that to fight, uh, um, you know, blind or um, or something else. So it's not like the worst thing to pull, right? Better than a big twenty. Yeah, uh, and so that's going to bring us along to uh, our next document, um, which is. The full listing, this is actually, I'm, I'm linking you straight to VTORP's GitHub. This is the code that runs Randomizer. But what better way to, you know, absolutely get the scoop on exactly what you're going to see in the game, right? So this is a list of how every item and every item location is classified, like what wording is used. Uh, for each of the item locations, it tells you, um, you know, kind of a classification of them. Uh, for instance, you know, like... Um, in Mini Moldorm Cave, the NPC, the guy in the middle, the, the thief, that could be uh, classified as in Mini Moldorm Cave, but it could also be classified as requires a bomb because you have to bomb to get in. And it could also be classified as held by someone friendly, which designates you receive it from an NPC. So, and, and that also sort of illustrates another point I made earlier about how hints can sometimes unfortunately be a little too general to be helpful. Because if you find out that a, a, a unique item is held with someone friendly, someone friendly includes like, I don't have the list up in front of me right now, but like 10 to 13 spots, you know? So, so it's, it's unlikely that that's going to really be able to help you, you know, unless you've checked every single other one. Um, so I would encourage people to go through and, uh, again, just kind of scan this so you get an idea. But Axe, let's you and I kind of scan through this list and uh, name some of these that, that seem like they might be uh, kind of, you know, tricky and, and maybe not what you would expect in terms of what what the text is to what the item or item location relates to. Yeah, so, um, you know, to start right off, uh, one that uh, kind of speaks out to me is requires the book. Okay, so people think requires the book. All right, that that's my desert palace and that's my tablet, or ether tablet and Bombo's tablet. Uh, except, again, remember these are universals, so it's possible that you uh, can get into desert with the mirror. Could be your entrance rando, and so you don't even need to 
you know, you just randomly walk in the desert. So book is really only talking about Ether Tablet and Bombos Tablet. So mm-hmm. if you pull that hit up, don't start thinking about desert. Just think about your tablets. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point, and it, it goes back to what we said about all you know all versions. So that's a good one. Um, I want to highlight one that has really frustrated me in the past. Uh, if you get a hint saying something is held by an old man, <laughs> this always means the old man on Death Mountain. And you might think that that, were, that you know, could, could be talking about Sahasrila or Agena, but it does not, apparently. So held by an old man can only be the old man on Death Mountain. And sort of along those lines, if it says is held by the Kakariko village elder... This, uh, for some reason, is talking about Sahasrila. Now, Sahasrila is not in Kakariko, but if you know the like story of A Link to the Past, he was like cast out of the town or something. So Kakariko Village Elder actually refers to uh, the green pendant item that Sahasrila gives you. So that is not super obvious in my humble opinion, but now you know at least if you didn't know before. Do you have a hint for Agena is also like that. I'm trying to find the exact wording for it. Um, uh, is with a hermit. Yeah. Is Agena's. So, again, you you know, might think like, well, you know, Sahashala, he's out on his own. There's a bunch of other people that seem to be just kind of chilling in the middle of nowhere, but nope. It's only Agena. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's just kind of try to rapid fire some of these. I'm just going through and I'll, some of these are really obvious, you know. Um, awaits in the waterfall is waterfall fairy. Like, okay, yeah, you, you probably knew that. Um, but I'm going to read a, off a few others that are maybe not so obvious. And, and Axe, feel free to break in with, with any right. that you, you find too. Um, so can be dug up. Remember, that's going to be two. That's either digging game or the flute spot in the grove. In the dark. That's uh, going to be four different spots. Agatower, um, but that's only going to be in Key Sanity. Right. The Old Man, Pod, Dark Maze or Dark Basement, or Castle Sewer. And that's yep. it. That's it for Dark. That's a good one. Um, is Above the Pose, that is Graveyard Ledge. And uh, shout out to Trinex, who has argued <laughs> in the past uh, a very good point, which is that Thieves Town is also Above the Pose. But when you think about that whole entrance randomizer thing, that falls apart again. So, um, yeah, Above the Pose is only Graveyard Ledge for whatever reason. Uh, is Underwater. Uh, this is an interesting one. Uh, it's going to be the sunken treasure in the dam. That makes sense. That's underwater. Waterfall fairy. Okay, you got to walk underwater to get to her. For those but two, yeah. Also, swamp palace. The two flooded chests that are in the back, and only those two, because yep. you have to lower the water to get to them. Yeah, and there was actually uh, in the most recent, I think V thirty point three, there was an update that they forgot one of those chests. Um, uh, to include in flooded and somebody said hey oh hey this is flooded too and then they added it i actually i'm sorry i want to find exactly which one that was yeah i'll keep while he's looking i'm going to keep yeah say another uh, one yes putting some more um this is going to be an obvious one but uh requires the cape well that's bumper cave because again uh think about entrance rando even though you can use the cape to get up and climb bag tower if you're playing entrance rando, you don't need to do that. You can just walk right in there. So the only thing Cape is going to refer to is Bumper Cave. Nice. Um, uh, so I've got it. V30.4 uh, added two more that you actually didn't say to Underwater, which is Zora and Catfish. Oh, well. So those okay. are part of it, too. Yeah. There we and go. So, 
Yeah, and so we missed it, and so did the developers, and then somebody um, mentioned, hey, you know, these are underwater too. And, and again, that's why I wanted to have this episode is because, like, it's it's not clear. And, and I, I don't, I'm not blaming the developers for that at, at all because I actually kind of like that they're not clear, and I think they were made that way because they're just hints. You know, they're, they're not supposed to be always necessarily just, like, super obvious this is it. Sometimes they are, which I also think is cool. You know, sometimes you just get blown away by, like, this incredible hint that just, like, saves your life. Um, but a lot of the time it's something really vague that you didn't, you don't, you can't actually put together until you have already processed it or moved past it. Um, sometimes it's something misleading that actually messes you up. But, like, that, all of that kind of makes it more fun. And I think ultimately why it was added and, and ultimately why I like it. But I think also I can understand why, you know, someone like Herf, who may or may not be chiming in around now, um, <laughs> you know, also uh, could could maybe kind of be on the other side of it, not not necessarily like them. Yeah, but I, I mean, some of these are not even the way people in the community refer to this. Is under some rocks an attempt? Don't look at the, the guide. What would you think is under some rocks? Well, okay, there's a couple that I would guess. I would say uh, Bonk Rocks is under rocks, um, okay. and and then. Well, Hammer Peg is under a rock, not rocks. So, I don't know. Just tell me. I don't want to confuse it, people. It's, it's only the bonk rocks that are okay. west of the sanctuary. But okay. like you're saying, you could think, hey, Hammer Pegs, that's that's a rock. you got to lift that up and get down there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's plenty of other situations where you've got to go under some rocks to get somewhere. So, again, some of these, just what Tim's saying, some of these hints are are vague and, you know, you got to know... <clears throat> what they're referring to yeah um are there any others that are sort of uh common pitfalls that you want to shout out in the lost woods in the lost woods could be pedestal oh yeah yeah that's and, and it's an, it's one of those it's like inconsistent right because those dungeon ones where you're talking about swamp left side those aren't included in swamp you know right. but but you're talking about lost woods and now suddenly we are including one that can just be by itself. You know, I don't know. It's uh, yeah. It's it's. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, I, I like the system how it is because <clears throat> it's very hard to memorize all these because there's so many, and uh, you know, it makes it so that the a lot of times, just like Tim's saying, yeah, it's a hint, and it's not just straight up giving you the item location. You got to think about it a little. It makes it a little more fun yeah so uh with that i think i think we can wrap this up um i'm gonna give her uh, i I do, yeah. well, I do have one more and this oh one yeah go ahead this i really hope they change this in v31 so if they say that there's a hint about a boomerang that is the red boomerang yeah if they say that it is the best boomerang they're referring to the blue boomerang yeah. and that is just incorrect because the red <laughs> boomerang is wonderful it is sparkly and it just fills you with happiness. You know, I let a lot of things slide. I didn't chime in a little earlier when Tim said he thinks I would about the hints, but I, I just can't let it slide when you question the best boomerang status of the blue boomerang, which is clearly superior to the laggy red boomerang that means nothing, and it's just a piece of wood. Blue boomerang, best boomerang. B is for best. B is for blue. Yeah. Okay. I was wondering if you were going to say something. We, we almost made it past without you saying something about it, but that makes sense. Um, cool. 
Okay, well, I'm going to give Herf a opportunity to maybe give us some final thoughts on hints here. Well, now that we cleared up the boomerang situation, uh, I just kind of want to say as a final thought sort of thing that I don't really dislike hints so much. I just think they, that what I disliked was the, A, the way they were introduced to the community. It was just kind of a, you know, there was never any discussion or any, hey, would you guys like any of this or how would you guys want this or whatever. It, it just, you know, it was like, all right, we're adding hints. This is how it's going to work. And here it is. And everyone was like, hey, what what happened? And that, that was kind of unfortunate. And the second big point is, as you guys were pointing out in the beginning, it just changed the meta game so much. It was a huge change. And maybe not necessarily a bad one. Just a weird one. An unnecessary one. That's, I think, where most of the criticism came from. Like, people were asking for specific hints that made sense, at least to me, and this is just, you know, like swatting a fly with a massive hammer. It works, but it feels kind of over the top, and I still kind of feel like they're over the top. In a game like uh, Ocarina of Time, I feel like I've said all this before, but just to, you know, finish my thought, in a game like Ocarina of Time, where a seed can take up to upwards of like five hours or more sometimes, Hints totally make sense. You want to, you know, compress that time that you have to spend playing the game. But in A Link to the Past, and usually seeds, I would say, like, average out around two hours. There's, like, outliers that take longer, or when you're not very practiced, it will take a, lo a little longer and stuff like that. But I just feel like so many hints and uh, how they changed the metagame in a short, quote-unquote, short game like this just feels a little over the top. So, yeah, that's kind of where my dislike comes from. But I can, I can live with them, and uh, whatever. They're here to stay, apparently. And, uh, yeah, I think I think that about wraps it up. Yeah. Cool. All right, so we have one fetch question this week, this episode, I should say. Uh, and this one came to us from our Discord, from a newer member... Uh, who just joined uh, a little more recently, and I'm stalling while I look for the... Okay, H-O-J-N uh, Gaming. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that. Maybe like Hajan Gaming, something like that. Um, so they, they joined our Discord and had a question for us in there, uh, and it goes like this. With Z-O-O-T-R, or Zooters, next big tournament appearing to be a multi-world one, is this the way that the main series ALTTPR tournaments are going in the future? Again, that's from Hajin Gaming. So, Axe, what do you think about that? Uh, I don't know. It's, um... Huh. I don't follow Z... Zooter? Z-O-T-T-R? The, yeah, they're calling it Zooter. It's Z uh, Zelda Ocarina of Time Randomizer. So it's yeah, Ocarina of Time it, It's the Ocarina of Time Randomizer. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I don't follow that community super closely. I have never even tried to complete one. Um, but it's, uh, it's probably unlikely that becomes the main tournament that's always used just because that's a, <clears throat> a mode that not everybody likes. And, <laughs> uh, you know, you're, you're going to get a smaller player population. And while it's, it is pretty cool and fun to watch, I, I would suspect that there is probably, you know, going to be a mix going forward. Mm-hmm. 
personally for me, so I I've still haven't played a Link to the Past randomizer multi-worlds. And like you, I, I don't really follow Ocarina of Time randomizer, and I certainly haven't seen a Zooter multi-world. Um, so it takes a lot more setup to do a multi-world. That's one thing I would say that's maybe not a huge positive in terms of seeing more of that. Uh, it takes a little bit more farting around to get that set up as we heard from Sinak. I mean, his his was a little different because it was like 32 people and it was all live. I understand that. But it, it takes a lot more setup and planning ahead of time to try to make that happen. So that's one thing that probably will, you know, is, is not really working in its favor. Um, the other is I think, you know, there will always be variations of ALTTPR tournaments as we saw during the main tournament break this last summer, we had like five or six different tournaments. We we put on a freaking tournament, you know? So, like, I think there will always be variations to these tournaments. But to answer your question, I don't think that that is, like, where it's going necessarily. Like, like we're all, like, we're going to change our name to, like, BK Mode, a, a Link to the Past Multi-Worlds Randomizer podcast. I Like, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, I, I think that Multi-Worlds will always be sort of a separate kind of thing that people will enjoy and it'll be kind of neat. But the main, you know, open and standard, I think that's really the lifeblood of ALTTPR and, and kind of, if anything is going to last for a long time, just that sort of base kind of game is, is what it's going to be. Um, now, I wonder what her thinks. Yeah, I'm curious too. So, uh, let me think a little bit here. I, I think... The first thing I want to clear up is that currently there's no official multi-world for A Link to the Past randomizer. I know there's Bonta World, which I've talked about before, which it's, I think Bonta is kind of over it being called Bonta World as well, but that's just, you know, for convenience's sake. And uh, it works well, and I'm a huge fan, and I love playing them, but uh, I don't think that's going to be used for anything official anytime soon. And once an official multi-world, which as far as I know is being worked on, I'm, I'm not sure, but I think it is, uh, once that is released, I would be very surprised, as you guys were saying, if there wasn't at least a community tournament that is a multi-world tournament in some form or fashion. Uh, if the official tournament ever decides to do a multi-world one, it would probably be like a... I don't know. I want. I don't. I don't want to call it a special edition kind of thing, but sort of like that. So you know, more of a one-time thing. We we do one official multi-world tournament, and then the next tournament in the fall or in the spring or whenever it might be uh, is going to be back to more normal modes where you know just where you're just competing by yourself. Uh, but yeah, as I said, I think uh, at the worst there's going to be a community multi-world tournament i think people are already thinking about it honestly there's team functionality and stuff like that uh, i think a big problem with that as we can really see in our own tournament uh, scheduling four people is hard already now depending on what your multi-world team size is going to be because i assume if you're doing a multi-world uh, tournament you're going to have you know teams of people competing against each other or it won't really make a lot of sense so, if you have like three people on each team, it's going to be six people you have to coordinate and schedule, and if it's going to be more than that, it's just going to be exponentially harder to get it all, you know, wrapped up and, and ready to go. So, I'm, I'm curious to see how Zooter is going to handle it. I, I personally also don't follow them, but I'm, I'm curious to see how it all works out. 
I, uh, I did have one more thing to, to point out, and this is just from a, you know, sort of marketability standpoint, mm-hmm. but uh, a multi-world tournament uh, can be a lot harder just to follow. Oh, yeah, that, no, that's true. That's a very good point. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that, and that is a good question and definitely something that, um, you know, is worth talking about. I The more I hear questions about multi-world and people talk about it, the more I'm like, oh, maybe I, I really do need to check this out. So, um, Hajin Gaming or H-O-G-A-N Gaming, thank you so much for the question. Thank you for joining our Discord. Um, if you would like to join our Discord, you can do so by looking at the episode description and clicking on the invitation there. Um, if you are a little more traditional and you want to send us an email as your question, that's totally fine. You can do so by sending that to email at gomodepodcast.com. You can also use the contact form on gomodepodcast.com. It might look like it doesn't work, but I promise it does. Um, if you want to watch more of the Go Mode Podcast Mentor Tournament races, be sure to check out the schedule for that. You can also uh, sometimes see those Go Mode Podcast or sorry, twitch.tv slash Podcast. Um, and you can also follow us on Twitter at Go Mode Podcast. Man, we're in a lot of places these days. Just all over. And yeah. If you, uh, you want to watch me be bad at rando, uh, twitch.tv slash essay underscore axial. Very good. Uh, Herf? If you want to watch me never stream, even though I should, you can follow me at twitch.tv slash herfyderfy. Very good. You, you can and, also find him in uh, random walls that have uh, suspicious-looking tiles. Yeah, if you ever want to hear from Herp, just walk up to like a gray square with a triangle on it and um, clear your mind and just touch it. That's a good way to get in touch with Herp. Functionality not guaranteed by the GOMO podcast. Uh, for me, it's mostly the internet's going to be the best way for me. Uh, you can uh, watch me play rando at twitch.tv slash temp underscore and of course, join the Discord. As we say, we're super active in there. If you want to ask us a question or just hang out with us or uh, get some friendly races going with some of our community members, there's been quite a few of that going on. So uh, come join us. Also, um, thank you to all of you who have left us a review on iTunes. Very much appreciate that. Um, if you enjoy the show and you have not done so, please consider going and leaving us a review on iTunes or your podcast downloading uh, software of choice. And um, if you haven't caught any tournament matches yet, go catch them. They're wonderful. And mm-hmm. these are some runners who do not get a lot of time in the limelight. And they deserve, you know, the chance to uh, to shine because they're all just really great people. And, uh, yeah. 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 And especially with the mentors helping them out, like, this, you wouldn't think this is, like, a rookie tournament. Like, you're, you're seeing the tricks. You're seeing the, like, tight routing and execution, like – Especially now that we're in brackets too, like uh, check check it out. It's, it's been pretty good, legitimately entertaining. So, all right, that's gonna do it for us. Thank you guys so much again for listening to Go Mode. Let me just pull out this uh, mirror here. Oh, crap! Is that a crack?